Welcome to this week's episode of Uncovered for Pole Dancers, a podcast created by pole dancers for pole dancers. I'm your host, Stephanie Quinn. Because I know you guys love listening to them, I have another history episode coming at you today. Today, I am joined by Melita, all the way from Spain, who is the owner of Pole Dance Marisma. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these right. She has been in and around the pole industry in Spain since the early 2000s. Um, and to, and she's got some experience in burlesque and circus. And we're just going to do a little bit of exploring of the early European days for pole dancers. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the podcast, Alita. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be great. I'm so happy you reached out. And I think um, it's so good to be able to see different perspectives and different histories from around the world because I do think we've all developed our own like unique way of pole um, and a lot of that comes from our founders so it's going to be really really good to dive into this. I just want to start with um, how did you start your pole dancing journey and why? Well, it's really like um, I think the half of like some part is, is some part of it is is quite invented. So I had it crystal clear from the, from age sixteen that I wanted to be a stripper. The story is I think I I might have seen the movie Stripper at a very tender age, and I just yeah. became obsessed with that with that dancing or something. But I might just invent it. So I was crystal clear that I wanted to be a stripper. So I literally turned 18. And in, in less than a month, I went up to a club and I was like, well, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and that was not in Spain. That was in Budapest, my hometown. And I think that was like 2003 or 2004. Okay, really? so very so, early days. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, and, I th- and, and, and for the first three or four years that I've been around, I haven't done like proper, proper like acrobatic pole dancing because at, the, at those times uh, we had like maybe one girl who came back from abroad to the club. So I, I mean, like literally I was still in high school. I was doing my, my A-levels at, at those yeah. times. So I was I was coming out of high school, going into the club to work. It was really funny, and <laughs> uh, so it was mostly like girls like go go dancing next to a pole, yeah, at, at, in in the clubs and doing all the like super work like hustling and talking to clients and all all that kind of work, and um, and so yeah, I've seen some tricks like some some of the girls who had like more career going on. And, and work more abroad, they, they, they brought back some, some spins or some tricks, but it was still like more like a sporadic trick. And, and she would show us and we would be like, oh yeah, we can try this or da da da. But it, it has not been until like 2005 when the, when, you know, I think that that's, that's about the time when YouTube came along. So we could actually <sighs> yeah. see like, you know, pictures. I remember like having seen like a photo of a layback and we were all like sitting in the club and we were like, how, how on earth is she doing that? You know, and, and crazy, we were just like, like mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, how is she upside down? And she's like holding herself with her legs. And uh, so it was around, uh, I think, 2005 that uh, the videos came along and, and, and they were more like we, we, could, we could be seeing like more things real, like acrobatic pole dancing style. 
And, and I was always like on and off the work, depending on my studies. Yeah. So fast forward in 2006 was the time when I first went to Spain. Yeah. And it is a really interesting story because Spain has a really peculiar club scene, say, because um, everybody's going to hate me for this, but Spain doesn't have strip clubs. Like you might have strip clubs in the, in touristic areas, but yeah. Spain has uh, whorehouses. So you have, oh, okay. it's called a putty club and, and, and it's, and it's prostitution. It's pure prostitution. So yeah. you don't have dancers. You don't have strippers who, who do like stripper work. Yeah. And uh, what these places do is that they hired like from, they have been into this for years. They mm. hire pole dancers, like proper acrobatic showgirls. And, and actually at back in the day, we were called showgirls. Yeah. So it was like, what do you do? I'm a showgirl in Spain. And so they do like proper acrobatic pole dancing, but with like big shows. So it was like a, an intersection between like pole dancing and burlesque. So I, I think it resonates a lot with Australia because it's like yep. the first Miss Pole Dance Australia that everything was like a show, you know, like yeah. the show element was, was, was also like really big there. So, yeah. so it's kind of a, this, this thing. And, um, so, uh, some of the girls started to go abroad and there was like a big job offer, like uh, in 2006 to go to Spain. I mean, the story is, is really interesting because the whole thing came on, on like primetime TV. Like there was one Hungarian celebrity who had yeah. uh, the first, say, pole dancing or striptease school in Budapest. And, and she was performing in this place. And since the, the wife of the owner was Hungarian... They, they, they did like a massive campaign to get like uh, Hungarian dancers to come and work there. Yeah. There was a little bit of a lie there because they didn't say what, what, what kind of work they were looking for. So yeah. many of us, we went there for two weeks and then you, you arrive there and you realize that, wow, uh, well, we're not here. They, they are not looking for dancers, right? They were looking for something but, else. But I arrived there, it was in Alicante, and the place was called the Angelo Palace. And I think I arrived there in 2006, April. Yeah. And that was the first time when I saw it in person, like a real, like a real, real proper, massively acrobatic pole dance shows. And the place was so beautiful. They had like a, they had like a, a swimming pool in the middle, and they had like two like stages with like... A, I would say like with, with, with poles like eight meters long. And then, you know, the best dancers, they were dancing on those stages with this, this massive like flowy gowns and everything. So it was, it, it was crazy. It was really like, it was beautiful. Wow. I could just imagine how crazy that would have been to just see this stuff, excuse me, on YouTube and, and learning from people abroad so most people were bringing tricks from like travel so they would go learn something and then bring them back to the clubs and yeah, then to go and to see these massively acrobatic shows would have just been mind-blowing at that point yeah I think for me the very first step was that I arrived there and since I, I obviously once the, the there's you know like they they have a other kind of a service on offer yeah. so you realize that okay I'm here on vacation I'm not gonna I'm not gonna earn money right yeah. so and then I saw the other girls and and generally like you know some some of the girls they didn't like other girls and especially they didn't like so 
girls from my country, from Hungary, they were like, oh, you don't talk to those girls. Those are the good dancers. You don't talk to them. And, and I was like, oh, I love what she does. And I just walked up. And it was like, no, she, she hates Hungarian. She's going to beat you up. <laughs> and I just walked up to the girl and I was like, I love what you do. Could you show me? And she was like, of course, come with me. Like, come down at 11 o'clock and I'm just going to show you whatever you want. Wow. And, and, and she was like so nice, you know. Yeah, that, it's amazing. And, and I, was, I, I was just happy, you know. And, um, and actually, even in Spain, there were like dynamics like this. Like, you know, when in club work, when there was like a main showgirl, she would have her tricks and uh, yeah. she would... Another friend told me that, but, but she would start working in a pole dancing place and then the best dancer would teach her and she would like, she would be like very specific that once I'm done with this contract, just then you can do these tricks. You know, she was like, I teach you, but not when I'm dancing here. So So were there (laughs) many studios in Spain at that point in time? I think... I believe there's one name that's, uh, well, I would say like mainstreamly is, is, is important that uh, Chiki Marti. And I think what, what Chiki did, what, you, you, what one should be asking her about this because she's still active and she still oh, has she her is? school. Amazing. So I'm not sure about the year she opened her studio, but she yeah. still has her studio. And I know her personally. We met uh, over the years. And uh, so what she did, and I think it might have been in the 90s or very early 2000s, that she went on mainstream TV. So she was brave enough and she did like striptease and pole dancing and acrobatic pole dancing and mainstream TV. So in Spain, there was this, um, I would say there was this this strange phenomenon that uh, everybody kind of knew what pole dancing was. You know, like acrobatic pole dancing and everybody had this reference. Like like when you said like I'm a showgirl and I'm doing pole dancing, then many people, even like a, a grandma from a village that I was talking to on the train would be like, mm. oh, yeah. So what you do is just what Chicky Marty did on TV. And Interesting. Uh, and that, that was pretty cool because, you know, it's um, uh, in some way it was like very early on was not so stigmatized, say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think when you you refer back to Australians earlier, and I think Australians were the same from a showgirl perspective. I think mm. that's where a lot of our like Jamila did showgirl stuff, Bobby did showgirl stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure like Fornia, speaking to Fornia from memory, had a little bit of showgirl stuff in there too. I might be wrong in that. That mm. that doesn't feel 100 percent right. But um, what was was were there a lot of people doing pole at that time like now that it's been seen on a mainstream tv was there a, like a big um adaption to pole very early days well i mean if you were in the circuit there were a lot of dancers but generally yeah. we lived in all parts of spain so we would meet in the clubs if we were working so yep. the scene say the showgirl scene was working that you had like these managers Mm-hmm. I, I used to work with a manager. She was, I never met her. She was like a grandma from Madrid, like a grandma, <gasps> really. Wow. And, and, and she was, she was like an absolute boss lady. So like the best managers were female. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they, they were, I don't know how many people they were managing because generally in one single club, uh, there were many kinds of clubs, right? So mm. the spectrum was very, the showgirl spectrum was very uh, broad. 
So you had girls that well, I belong to that category. We we had our salary, we went to dance and we did shows. And we didn't want to talk to uh, clients, we didn't want to hustle, have drinks, whatnot. And from there on, you got girls who did like everything, right? So, yeah. so up to prostitution even, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you got like a very broad spectrum. Uh, and generally I worked the circuits where even I worked in clubs where the dancers, the showgirls, we were not allowed in the, in La Sala and La Sala because we would be, they, they would, the girls would consider that we would take away work from them since we are on stage and we come off and then, you know, the clients would be more, so we yeah, had like more a little, interested in you sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so there was that. So generally it was like three, I would say like three to five girls around, I would say like, this is like 2007, eight, right? Yeah. Around there. So the, in one club, there would be like three to five dancers mm-hmm. and uh, the country was full of clubs. So you had like big clubs, small clubs, uh, and just, just, just whole, whole many things. And there were obviously, there were some clubs that were extremely like famous or that would mm. be that would be the places where you would want to have it on your on your resume, no? Yes, yeah. It looked better for you if you had yeah. worked in those clubs because they had a higher prestige or yeah, status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some clubs some even did like they didn't work with managers, they would do like castings. So mm. So at what point did you transition from working in the clubs and learning in the clubs because it sounds like you did a lot of your Mm -hmm. early stage learnings in clubs to an actual pole dancing studio or did that not happen too much later in your journey well the with me the thing was that in the early days literally I I learned everything about pole dancing in clubs so I learned it alone in clubs and everything was in clubs so in pole dancing and what type of trick level were you learning in the clubs well, the thing was that back in back when I started, uh, you know, I think it's the same everywhere. Like, you know, the mm. when when people like inverted and did like a Gemini, like switching legs, yes. and Superman, that that was like top. And we rem- I remember like there was like some girls who did something like an Aisha, you know, like a forearm yes. grip Aisha and and everything. And that was like, whoa, what what How did you, you do? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, but for me, pole dancing was, was mainly learning in the clubs. And yeah. uh, once I was a circus artist and, and my friends, my actually my, my, my close friends, they started to have like their own studios. That's what, that, yeah. that was when I was like, you know, when I went back to Budapest, uh, I, I, I would go to the classes of my best friend who had, I think they, with, with, with her partner, they had like the second, uh, pole, so one of the first pole dance studios in Budapest, which is still running yeah wow that's crazy so yeah so a lot of it was being for you like a lot of your journey was being taught in clubs at that time yeah yeah wow but, so but what I, do ha- know that, sorry, acting- I do know that I do know that Chiki Marty had her studio since very early I would say like very early 2000s because yeah. I always knew she had it but it was like pole dancing it was like strip art and and it was it was a bit of everything and it still is like I know her studio does more like the sexy, mm, empowering women kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, was do you think a lot? We talked about this a little bit off air. Like, is there a, a lot more of a push towards the sexy stuff in Spain or the fitness side of pole? 
I would say that right now, I think in the last three years or four, there's actually like a new empowerment of the sexy style of say like uh, old school and 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 exotic. Uh, yeah. Uh, and before that, it was it it was mainly uh, the fitness style. And mm-hmm. since the since it became like a studio thing, there was a lot of push to be like very fitness and very sporty. And yeah. obviously, there was not like a not always like a especially good look on the ones that did the exotic one, the exotic style, or say like well, I would say old school, old school. If we did old yeah, school, yeah, old school, yeah. But then again, there's there's uh, at the same time there have always been a lot of, lot of girls who came from you know like sugar background, backgrounds. Yeah. So you said some of your friends were opening studios or open studios. Do they have? Um... Were they coming out of the clubs as well? It depends. Depends on the or, or, of, of, of of the very person. So I remember mm. when I was already like practicing, and I got to know some of the girls in my country from from clubs, and they were also like a similar path as I am. Like they did some circus, they did some burlesque, they did some like strip club work, and then they were traveling around and all this like general showgirl stuff. So like yeah. um, I would say like full time as a full time job. Yeah, so you wow. take everything. More, more, so I, I mean like here it was like there was not so much job. So you were like taking all that you got. So it was like if if, if it was a weekend of go go dancing, then you did a weekend of go go dancing. Ish mm. and um, and so I was I was hanging around with those people. And then in Hungary, I think the first like proper competition was I'm not really sure, but I think it was 2007. I would say, but I, I would have to check it on YouTube. And yeah. it was Miss Paul Dance Hungary. And I remember I got to know that it was happening like after. And I was like, I was so pissed off because I was like, I wanted to go. And now it's over. And I didn't know about it. <laughs> and um, the whole thing and a friendship, a long, long going friendship uh, happened because there was a girl who was a student in a studio. And she was on this competition and, and she uploaded her video. And it was literally just me dropping a comment on YouTube. And it's like, well, when did this happen? And whatever was this? And I was like, hi. And, <laughs> and she was like, hi, are you pole dancing? And I was like, yes. And all of a sudden, just like the five, six girls that were around, we were like, uh, we are practicing in the house of someone who had a pole, which was already like a miracle, you know? Yeah. Do you want to come over? And uh, with Lisa... Uh, she's uh, Lisa Sabo. She's she, she's one of the owners of one of the studios in Budapest. Yeah, uh, I think she won the the worlds in masters category in 2013. If I'm not if I'm not yeah, wrong. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. She 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 she's big. <laughs> well, she's big yeah. in Hungary, whatever. But she she she's small actually. Isn't you know, like, it crazy how there is the pole industry is still so small, but like you're yeah. like she's big and it's. We are still just so disconnected as yeah. well because, like, yes, Instagram exists and that that is a thing, but there are still so hmm. many celebrities that are celebrities in different well, I mean, countries or I, places, but depending on yeah. what's feeding through to your feed. But I mean, honestly, like looking at Australia, it's it's like Australia is the is the heaven of pole dance. Like, I think anyone Crazy. from anywhere else. In Europe, at least, we, we look at Australia, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, it seems like pole dancing is your national sport, in fact, you know? 
it seems like, like everybody pole dances in Australia. Yeah. Everything is amazing, glamorous and huge and everything. And obviously we from Europe, we've been always like very close thing watching the evolution of Miss Pole Dance Australia, you know, and and, yeah. and I mean, like I, I got the first ones on DVD, like I have, have them on DVD, really. That is crazy. <laughs> I love it. And I feel um, we probably, it's interesting, like and in comparison, I'm not sure what it's like, but some of the people that I speak to who are in Europe who have studios generally have smaller size studios and yes. generally not big. They're a lot smaller. Maybe that's like the population and the density. Whereas Australia, we've got so much land, but we only populate like certain parts of the country. So mm. uh, like my studio is quite big and it has like 35 poles in it, but I don't yeah, yeah. Like I know I was speaking to somebody who has opened a studio in Germany and I think they have about eight poles in there. Yeah, I mean and like it's, my it's, studio I have I have, I have a sixth pole and the seventh pole, which is like the podium pole. Yeah. So seven poles and, and it's and it's a really but my studio is is is, is, is small even here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, generally I would say like studios even in Barcelona would, would work with like say ten poles or maybe fifteen poles. So they are not, they are not, not huge. Yeah. Interesting. It's so bizarre how, not bizarre. It's just really interesting finding out how different countries hmm. operate. Well, pole. I think there's also, there's, it, it, it's, it's very different from country to country. So like, yeah. since I'm from Hungary, I know very much the scene there. And yep. since I live in Spain, I have my studio here. I know the scene here. And hmm. in Hungary, uh, I'm not really sure which year, but it was really from the early on. So I would say like in the 2010s and before it was already on. Pole dancing and aerials and all that. First pole dancing and then aerials. Just had like this massive boom. And now you go down to Budapest. And literally mm. like you walk around and you see pole studio, aerial studio, pole studio, aerial studio. So it's it's all over the place. So you, you in, the, in the city center you walk and, and you don't walk like half a kilometer or like well, half a mile without yeah. seeing like five studios or something so interesting so it is so pretty it, big in budapest yeah in budapest it's pre- pretty big and in and in barcelona and in spain it's you know now there's i think spain is fairly evenly covered with pole studios okay. say as for the country for coverage yeah. i would say that generally you would you would be able to find like a local studio where you can go Let's yeah. say, like in an, in 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 inside the, the hour of our drive or something, okay. but Barcelona is still not full of studios. So, like Barcelona City, I would say that, well, it might be brave to say, but I would say like there would be like ten studios or or okay. so more or less, which is yeah. not much. No, I'm trying to like put that in comparison to some of our hmm. major cities here, but I would definitely need to do some kind of uh research to be able to Mm. compare that solidly um so what did it look like did you (laughs) excuse me I'm I'm coming over a cold did you have pole celebrities or major pole stars and who were they back in like the early or late 2000s early 10s well I would say that um it, it also had like m- much to do with, with who was ready and willing to, to go on something like mainstream TV or who would have like a celebrity status, say. So, and, yeah. and, and it's not necessarily the best pole dancers who would be like celebrities. 
So they would be they would be like people who would go on mainstream TV and and you know like put a face on the thing. So face on pole dancing, and then there would be like our tiny little inside celebrities that we we would be like, oh my god, she's so good. You wanna you know you wanna meet her. You wanna dance with her. But uh, so for me, the best pole dancers that that I've uh, I've known that they were like my my teachers. Uh, I, I literally I fell in love with them. So. My story was that it's uh, so that now we are entering the history part. So yeah. after going to the Angelo Palace and seeing like the first pole dancers and having this like little beginning and trying to practice and trying to learn tricks, on the same year I decided that I want to come back to Spain and I was looking for clubs. I was looking obviously for clubs that were not uh, whorehouses or yeah. I, I, it, it, it's it's an ugly word, but but. Uh, it's called in Spain. It's called putty club. It's okay. <laughs> it, it's cute. Okay. It's it, it's a cute word, but yeah. um, so I was looking for a proper strip club, and then I found Blue Rose, the legendary Blue Rose they call it, um, in Ibiza, and yeah. uh, actually, so so the there are girls from there who are still you can find them on Facebook and here and there. So they yeah. still exist and they still run schools. Yeah. And that was that was like um, I think I just I just struck gold finding that club. It was the last year of the club. It was already I don't know going bankrupt or they were they were closing it down. But the thing was that it was it was a massive hub for pole dancing because okay. it was run by. Uh, a girl who was who was in love with pole dancing and this sugar thing and the whole family was was into it so it was like his dad was the manager and it was like a family business and um, everybody did pole dancing and they had three poles like very high poles with a beautiful stage and the girls did these shows and it was like a classic strip club thing that people will you know you with the entrance they would get like fake money and they would mm. you know do the tipping and and all that, and that was the place where I got to know one girl who for, for many years was like my big sister, and um, her name was Miércoles, and she was half Spanish, half Brazilian, and for me, it was like a big turning point because she was very alternative, so she was all tattooed, and she had this crazy hair, and it was like coming into the dressing room and seeing a girl just like me, but like, yeah, you know, in a different color, say, and and it was like, yeah, pink hair, pink hair, uh, the same tattoos ish, you know, like mm. I have bows on my ankles, she has bows on her thighs, and we were like, what the hell? <laughs> and and when I saw her first show, it was amazing. Like I mean, like I've, I've not seen a thing like that, you know, like like she she undressed, she did like this striptease, she had these like the the X's on on her boobs, and then she like ripped it off and just like put it on the face of a client and everything. <laughs> And it was like, it was so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, with, with, with like a whole theme, you know? Yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I want to do that. Exactly that. That so is what was, I need to be able to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a revelation. And um, fast forward, she took me to Barcelona. I fell in love with Barcelona. Yeah. And I decided that I'm just going to stay here and move here. And then I started to get to know other girls in the in the showgirl circuit. And there was another girl who was also like massively like she had a gymnastics background. Wow. Uh, and and she was really good on the pole, like very acrobatic because, yeah. you know, 
because of her background. And uh, generally, I would say that the girls back in the time, they were very like classic, uh, just, um, you know, like soft music, flowy costumes and everything. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. you saw someone who was outside of that style, it was like, wow. So that's a little how bit more energy, a little bit more like alternativeness yeah, coming into the stage. Yeah. And then I started to go. So for me, they were my celebrities. And I and yeah. I actually, in fact, know that they were the best uh, pole dancers at the time, just about in the whole country. Yeah. And as for pole dancing uh, went on, I think the first Miss Pole Dance Spain was organized in 2007. And I think it had something to do with the organization, but I'm not sure about that. With with the Miss like Miss Paul Dance World or something that was like yeah in there was fine somebody talked about um is it Jamila yeah. who said Jamila, there was Jamila, a Miss yeah, Paul Dance World yeah and um some guy had she mentioned yeah. his name in that episode and she's like I've got yeah, some I, stories I, about him yeah I don't remember the name but I remember that uh, since it had something to do with the organization of the Spanish competition yeah. somehow we we we've got like a DVD. Because one of my friends, one of these, I, my iconic friends, she, she competed in that competition. Yeah. And so she got a DVD from, from, the, from that competition, from the Worlds. And, and I remember like us like looking at Elena Gibson dancing and, and, and you know, her performance, it was like, <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. So was that one of like the first, the Miss Pole Dance, was that the first type of competitions you were seeing? I think in Europe, in many countries, it was just with this this kind of a name, like Miss Paul Dance, da da da. Yeah. And then then they had this like uh, some girl did like barefoot, and some other did like high heels. Mm. But it was like still like a mix of both. I remember yeah. the, the, the seeing that on the words just on DVD, and it was like very mixed. So there were like some girls who were literally in G strings, kind of a, like more strip club style, like yeah. more dancing. And then, then you had people who were actually doing like proper acrobatic work and you could see that there's like a performance there. There's like a, you know, it's choreographed, it's thought out and it's, it's, it's a proper performance. Yeah. And uh, I saw the, the Spain one, only, I only saw uh, YouTube videos and videos. Uh, as far as I know, a girl, a Russian girl, one who was, we had friends in common, I never knew her. And I'm not really sure, but uh, the video is still on YouTube. So, so yeah. you can find the, the, the winning routine on YouTube. Yep. And I'm not really sure. She, her might, she was Russian and she might, her name might have been Gala, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and, and it was massively acrobatic. It was beautiful. It was really like a mm, yeah. beautiful performance. And then, you know, the, I think the whole oh, Miss Poland's uh, Spain and whatever, it just appeared. They did it once and then it just disappeared. From the match, the whole event. Did they ever do another um, Hungary version? Uh, I think in Hungary we did. Yeah, they they kept on going, and they might yeah. they might be doing it still because yeah, um, yeah. it was um, it was run by a Hungarian girl who was um, you know like, yeah was, in, in Hungary we have a strange kind of a situation with becoming a celebrity. Okay. Well, this is this is this is the part that not everybody's gonna like. But in Hungary, if you want to be a celebrity at age of eighteen, you do like a couple of porn movies, and then you become a celebrity, <laughs> and then okay. you can do whatever you want. You know, <laughs> I did, I did. 
So there's um, a lot of people who do this type of career, say. Yeah, and that and that's the route that they take. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and um, um, <laughs> you go. And, and and yeah, so I think they started in two thousand and seven, and and I think it's it's still going, like not as big, because yeah. then other competitions came up that were more like for fitnessy or more. Uh, I think oh, they it might have been like there's always like a sexy connotation to Miss Paul dance, blah blah blah, like like it's like yeah. this universe. Yes, yes. And I think in Europe we we kind of trash that name. Because of that, because when the whole pole fitnessy pole sports line came in, when the they were trying to, got... would you say they were trying to distance themselves from yeah. like the yes. sexy yes, side? Yes, yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that, that part in Europe, I think it has always been very strong to distance ourselves from the from the sexy from... part. <laughs> yeah, you were saying earlier that people would put themselves on TV. What were they doing? Were they like? selling ads like was it like a commercial like a pole dance commercial I think it or was, was like it... um you know these old like uh tv shows that that had like performances like yeah. concerts or or whatnot i'm not really sure what what, what chicky did but i know that uh, chicky went on tv and she did like a primetime tv show and she did pole dancing that's that she did acrobatic pole dancing i don't know if she got naked or she did not get naked i don't know but yeah. it was um, it was it was that it was it was some I would say like mainstream TV, and yeah, wow. for uh, for many, I think it it is we might have and and it's and it's funny because there were girls who were not really happy about you know not really open about it like I remember like I I lived I I shared flat with one of my say Paul idols. And whenever I opened the door, I, I never really cared. And she was like, "Oh, don't open the door to the to the postman because they can see your shoes." And and I was always like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, interesting. So she was trying to like keep that idea away. Because yeah, but of the there stigma. was this uh, one iconic club in Barcelona. I think it closed down in two thousand and seven. So I, I never really got to pass the casting there. Yeah, uh, and get to work there, and, it's, and it was called Bailen Ventidos. It was like a scandalous, uh, famous um, club. Uh, it's called Bailen Ventidos because it's in the Bailen Street, Street yeah. Twenty Two. So it was yeah. uh, so it, it was the address. The name of the club was the address of the yeah. club, and it was beautiful because it has its like cabaret decorations, and later on it, it became like. Um, like a disco club or something. So it was. Yeah. It, it had like many owners and many ways of use. Yeah. But it had a very nice stage. Not not very high poles, but it, but it was very beautiful. And yeah. so it was like a top club in Barcelona where everybody would want to work and you would have to do like a proper casting and they would only hire the best dancers. And so that club had like nighttime TV so every week there was one dancer who would go on the Catalan TV, like I think they were broadcasting it around midnight, and they mm. would do, I think it was also like 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 uh, filmed in live. So one girl, instead of going to the club, as far as I know, went to the TV st- station and, and, and they did like a dance. But you would okay. see that, I don't know, like one o'clock in the morning or something, and there yeah. were also like big um, posters with, with the dancers, like as if they were celebrities all over yeah. the city. Then again, okay. these girls were like, I don't want to be seen, da-da-da. <laughs> uh, 
but we're yeah interesting so they yeah. were sharing that in like late night tv like yeah. pole dancing shows wow so what yeah, do you and- think some of like the milestones have been for pole in like spain or like for pole all the clubs in spain when it comes to like the journey of pole dancing has there been any like key things that have like changed the industry that have probably made more people interested in coming to pole or um yeah like or or yeah I think that's my I question. think there was there was like a massive shift in everything around 2008 obviously with okay. the crisis and everything yeah. and I would say that the studios would start to pop up from 2008 onwards so I would say like 2008, 9, 10, I wanted to open a studio in 2008, but then that never happened. And yeah. for, and, uh, but, but, but I think that would be the year that when, when, when there would have been a shift that uh, showgirl work would just kind of, uh, obviously, whenever there's a crisis, then mm. entertainment suffers just yes, as yeah. with the COVID right now, like post COVID, like entertainment suffers, theaters closed yeah. down. So the 2008, uh, 7, 8 crisis went down and uh, and I think the whole showbiz scene, like a lot of clubs closed down and, you know, they reduced the uh, workers and whatnot. And yeah. and it was like some somewhere after that, that the first studio started to, like the, the second, I would say, like they, they have always been some studios, but they would yeah. be like more common that the studios would say in Madrid or in Barcelona would start to really pop up. Yeah, inter- interesting. So we, you were seeing the um, the showgirls transition across to studio ownership at that time hmm. throughout the crisis. So they were, so the the studios were qu- still quite successful even though the crisis was going on. Well, I, I, I'm not really sure. Like right in in the middle of when the yeah, when the crisis but in struck. And around that time. But 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 I I'm not. Really, I I think like maybe you know like. I think Paul Dance Factory, which is not not sugar related at all, but it's it's a studio in Barcelona. I think that might have been around since two thousand and nine, ten ish, okay, so or may, in maybe. Around that time. I, 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 I might be exaggerating, but uh, yeah. I think I would say two thousand and eight. But for sure, for sure, uh, the beginning of like two thousand and tens, that that would be that would be a moment when many Paul Dance studios would be would be popping up Don't here pop in up. Spain. Yeah, crazy. And how do you then look like reflecting back now on the journey of pole and, and what you've been through, did you think the pole industry was going to look like it does now? Well, I think for me, I'm really happy to see, seeing the, that the sexy is coming back because yes. I, I consider myself, like, you know, like, I, I, I'm almost 40, but, but I look very young. So generally when people are like, oh, I'm a veteran pole dancer and people are like, oh, who do you think you are really? <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I'm like, well, well you know, so when you start doing this kind of work at age of 18, then, then yeah. there's like 18 years behind me in it. Uh, and Crazy. it's always been like closer and then far, further away and back and forth, but always around. And yeah. uh, Actually, like, you know, like some of the Australian girls I know, I think I met them at 2010 when we had uh, the, the World Pole Dance Championships in Budapest. Yeah. 
So I, I mean, again, like, you know, like I met Justin McLucas then and I met yeah. Michelle Shimmy and we had like, I took them out to well, somewhere to lunch. I, I don't think anyone remembers that, you know, and they were yeah. like, oh, yeah, the, the strange girl from Budapest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what people remember. Wow. Yeah. Justine's been around for like, yeah, Justine, yeah, yeah. Michelle. Yeah. They've been around in the industry for such a long time. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's so. so good that we can, and I say this every time I do an episode that's like a history episode is one, it's so good that you can share those stories from 2010 and these people are still in the industry. Yeah. And two, we still have access to learning about those early beginnings in our country, in other countries. And now we've got the internet so we can learn and speak and connect with everybody. So yeah, yeah. it's amazing that they're still in and around um, the industry. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Is there anything you want to share before we wrap up this podcast about um, the early beginnings in like Europe or, or Spain or um, Budapest? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, these were quite early beginning and I went back went to studio work and then it had like, I think in Spain it's, and in Hungary as well, there was like a turnaround to more like poor fitness, more like uh, cleaning it up or, yeah. or, or, at what, or at what year was that? Was that like the early 2010s? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that was the early 2010s. And I think the sexy and heels and I think everything just turned around when the Russian exotic came in. And then yeah. it, it was it was like a new wave of uh, yeah we can be exotic and just roll with it. <laughs> um, did you? How did you find that real big push to fitness? Given your background coming out of clubs, like did you find um, that it was restrictive? Did you not quite get why it was happening? I think it's. I think we, with the time, we all have like different feelings about these things, you know, yeah. because uh, of course, at the beginning, I also share the feeling that, yeah, we should make this like more mainstream and we should make, you know, like people like more ex like accepting it more like uh, not something nasty. But yeah. then again, it's, 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 it's a female sport. It's, it's sexy, sensual, it's everything like, uh, and then you, you you know, you just cannot put it in the washing machine and clean it, you know, it's, um, it's, it's still there. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's absolutely awesome that it's, that is there because, uh, it's, it is what it is. It is, I think it's essential sport, even without high heels, even without, you know, it's, it's dancing, dancing is sensual thought. Like, yes. you know, that's, 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 the, that, that's it. But, um, yeah, I was really happy with the new wave of accepting exotic and, and the high heels. And uh, and I think it was just a new push with the Russian exotic style. I, I'm not fond of the, the, the Russian exotic because that's literally uh, rhythmic gymnastics put on high heels. Yeah, yeah. And and the, but 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 I think it's also like part of the of the whole journey to destigmatize it all. Mm. I know that my my honest opinion, I've been always very open about what I do, how I do, I have, or, you know, like uh, the backlash we have for it, we always have it, you know, like you might have a grumpy neighbor who's like, oh, look at what she does da, 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 and yeah. all that, or, or a grumpy family member, but, you know, that's just whatever. You might be a lawyer and it still happens, no? <laughs> and I think the diversity of people who are coming through the pole world these days, it is. It's massive. Know, it's massive. Like I have literally had 
we've had kids in our studio all the way up to 70 year old women who just want to move and they're like I'm never going to be able to achieve amazing things but I just want to be here and I want to be doing it so I think Polar's definitely diversified and there's room for both styles um yeah I think I think in my studio I'm also the COVID was was not a good time because then I I didn't I didn't have exotic classes because we had to like reduce uh people that could be in one single class and so yeah. it was not an easy time to go through but this year like this school year from September on I I've I've got to put back the exotic classes and right now now in the summer I have two exotic classes so one for one, one morning schedule and one evening schedule for, for, which is for a studio of, of my size is, is quite mm. good. Yeah. And I wow. also have a, another friend who runs a, like her studio called exotic souls. So it's all exotic. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's, 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 it's great to see girls that they are like, Oh, well, I'm not really sure about this exotic thing, but let's try. And, and then the, you know, the, the, the whole sensuality and the, the empowerment they find, find, they were like, I, I always thought I would be just, you know, comfortable with poor fitness. And then she tries exotic and she's like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think coming back, you said like all dance is sensual. Um, dance yeah. is vulnerable for anybody, right? Because it's exploring movement that maybe you haven't explored before. And yeah. then you add an element of sexy on top of that, then it, it, it just makes that vulnerability that little more, bit more what do you call it a little bit more vulnerable I guess yeah and also like I think you know like sharing things online or you know like yeah yeah definitely well thank you so much for your time today Melita <laughs> I, I can't believe that went well thank you fast <laughs> I like there was so, so much to uncover there about oh yeah yeah and... I might have been too chatty for for the whole <laughs> and might have been like not enough information <laughs> Um, you've li- I know you've listened to our podcast episodes. They're not always uh, <laughs> they uh, they're, they're conversational. I think when I speak to people about coming on the podcast, the line I give them is that we are very conversational. It doesn't have to be a, a answer and a quick response. It's let's explore everything that there is to explore in Poland. Sometimes you need to let those things just continue in that journey to happen so you can just share what what your experience has been so I really appreciate your time today and coming on the podcast oh no thank you for having me it's it's my and, first time on a podcast so I, well I know I, po- I popped a few podcast cherries I love it I love it um if people want to connect with you or find you is there a social media platform that they can find you well on? I am if, if me myself and I I, I am Melita Honeycup on on Instagram yeah, uh, that's that's the main 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 place. I well, I, I'm I'm trying to retake my social media because it's been off for like three years. Yeah, and uh, I have uh, the school is Paul Dance Maresme, but uh, yeah, that's a super tiny school. Generally, I only publish my my students and everything. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not a social media queen at all. I'm I'm very that's, just uh, down to okay. earth on the street. <laughs> Love it. And yeah, if you guys love this episode, take a screenshot and share it and tag Melita and I. We would love to hear from you and what you loved about it. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Uncovered Podcast, I would absolutely love it if you could leave a review. 
As a thank you, I will send you our Addictive Pole Fitness Invert Bundle, the ultimate guide to helping you strengthen your inverts. It includes not one, but two invert conditioning videos with options for beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and a stretch video. To access this freebie, all you need to do is leave a review, share a screenshot of that review with uncovered at addictivepolefitness.com, and I will send you our must-have invert bundle straight to your inbox.